0: It's the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. It's
1: basketball time. It's over! It's over! The 52-year (laughs) draft is over! The Cavaliers It won the NBA championship! Cleveland, this is for you! Mitchell. Goes to the basket and buries Cornette!
0: Garland high steps over the timeline, stumps on a dime as Garland has been unreal here in the fourth quarter. Jack Jacklock down to five. Lillard. One by Mobley. Oh, my. Dinkus. Oh,
1: Taylor, And Allen, sit Get that sweet out of here.
0: <laughs> the shoot-around.
1: Welcome back to the show, everybody. The Cavs sit at 41 and 26 and have the best net rating in the NBA. They are finding their groove and have pulled out back-to-back wins against the Hopeless Pistons 114-90 and the formidable Celtics in yet another overtime victory, 118-114. Colin, the Celtics game had a lot going on. Would you consider it the signature win of the season?
0: It's weird, Adam. I think it's an important win, but to me it actually had more of the potential to be the signature loss of the season. We will unpack the game, obviously, more later. I'm just happy that they were able to come back with a victory. And now they're 7-0 in overtime, which is just remarkable. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or follow us on the podcast player of your choice. Also, be sure to visit our new home, the Basketball Podcast Network. We are also adding extra content to our YouTube channel, so please subscribe there as well. And please be sure to leave a comment. We'd love for you to engage with the pod.
1: Chris Feeder of Cleveland.com has a recent article stating the following. Currently in the fourth spot, the Cavs reportedly have had recent discussions about the importance of staying there and solidifying home court advantage in the first round. We realize in the last part of the season they're not going to give it to us, center Jared Allen said. We have to go take it. We want it. We just have to find a way to have it. What does this mean for their playoff aspirations
0: overall? I think they understand how serious the situation is. They understand that the East is much more competent. It's much tighter this year versus previous seasons. And it's kind of a little bit different compared to even five, six years ago with what the East is going through right now. There are a lot of good quality teams and a team that can beat you any night. And I'm happy to hear that they, they, again, we've we've talked about Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk about him all the time. But clearly, there's a little bit of a mentality shift with them going out and getting him. We're seeing this as evidence with what Allen is saying here in this quote. Because he, that's a mentality that you heard from Donovan as soon as he came over. The, it's a playoff team. I want to be in the playoffs. I've never not been in the playoffs and that's what's going to happen and it's refreshing because you always want a good team to play up to its potential and it's a little rare as well because this team is so young so i was glad to see that fedor was able to get this access and see what the team is doing and thinking about this what are you thinking well, I think all of
1: your points are dead on. I think that um, the Cavaliers have a new identity since Donovan joined the team, and it is Donovan Mitchell. That is the identity now of the Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. So much so that I've said in uh, the past that you know, in some ways, it's taken a little bit of the pressure off of Garland, but it's also made
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: really Garland's second fiddle in in this town. It just it's because mm-hmm. Donovan has come in. And stretched his numbers even greater than what he was able to do in Utah. That across the board, his numbers have gone up. On a team mm-hmm. that I can't say we would have all of these OT wins without him. I don't think we'd mm-hmm. have many of the wins without him. It, it reminds me of the years uh, that LeBron was here. That we were definitely a 60-win team as long as he was out on the court. Yeah. And um, And that's what Donovan provides. And so you're correct in your analysis that I think that this organization and these players understand that since Donovan has joined the team and proven to them what he's going to bring to the organization, they have to step up their expectations as well. And now aiming for home court to me means that they're making a, they're making a finals run. They're, Mm -hmm. they're not just interested in making the playoffs. They're hoping to make it all the way because Mm -hmm. that's the point of home court advantage. Yeah. yeah. Um, That you can kind of, coast your way in uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as best as, as that could be. So um, I'm excited to hear that their mentality within is still, you know, that they could have it all if they want to. And even though it's the first year and we've said time and time again, that this is supposed to be just the year they figure it out. um, Right. I still, I still said in the beginning of the season that they could win it all with this team. And it's nice to know
0: that they think that too. Yeah. They understand the gravity, but more importantly, they understand that it's just going to take a lot of hard work. Where they're, you brought up coasting, but you're—I understood it in the sense of like just having that home court advantage. But they understand that they there are no nights off anymore, which is we saw that a little bit last year. I think more often than not, because they were so young,
1: right. And now they're gonna to have to unfortunately find a way to win on the road if they're gonna if they're gonna yeah. solidify that record yeah and that's been really <laughs> hard this year so good luck there yeah. this win against boston was another impressive come from behind victory for the Cavs. they were slow out of the gate but clawed their way back into the game who or what
0: made the difference for this team I think right off the bat, you have to point at Lamar Stevens. Lamar Stevens looked looked like he was ready for the moment. He wasn't afraid to go against the Eastern Conference champions and to bring it. As it was noted during the broadcast, he's the original junkyard dog, and he was just everywhere. He was getting rebounds. He was defensively sealing off plays and players at times, getting blocks, and just really had some great timely moments in the kind of the hectic nature of how this game ended. And I was really happy. You and I have been Lamar fans this entire time, ever since he's joined the Cavs, and it was great to see that he rose to the occasion. And I really it's kind of something that I've talked about a lot with Lamar and Lamar and Donovan Mitchell have something in common. And Mitchell's even brought this up before when Lamar was uh, in the rotation as a starter, which is that Lamar will call players out. He and Donovan, I think have that similar nature of, you put everything out there on the floor. You bring all of your a game and all of your effort and you'll get good results no matter what. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is far more talented than Lamar, and so the impact is much greater. Mm -hmm. But I think what Lamar is able to do is he, because he's able to bring it so much uh, so, he really surprises the opponent because you have him going against smaller uh fours or centers who just aren't they aren't thinking that a dude who has been dnp'd for four four or five games coming into uh this stretch uh, he played against detroit a little bit but he wasn't playing much they aren't thinking a guy like that is all of a all of a sudden gonna put a shoulder into me and get a tough basket so I really credit Lamar with it. The team as a whole came together, but Lamar was really the guy that just sealed it for me. What were you seeing from the game and, and how it, was there anyone else besides Lamar that stood out?
1: Yeah, we, we love Lamar. The moment he joined this team, we've been singing his praises and obviously he's just a bench player. Uh, outside of being a Cavs fan, you would not probably know his name. You'd have to mm-hmm. be a diehard NBA fan to know who he is. Um, but he's one of those uh, glue guys, uh, those those players that you just absolutely need around the team to be successful. And I was very happy for him that at the end of regulation, those free throws were missed by that Celtics player. I can't remember mm-hmm. who missed them, but mm-hmm. uh, because... <laughs>
0: Uh, Williams, it was Williams.
1: Williams, yeah, thing. because it's it's a real. It would have been a real shame to see the game end on a Lamar Stevens foul, a scrappy kind of play. They they allowed the Celtics to get in the lane and penetrate for an easy layup, and three players followed the guy in and overextended uh, to try to mm-hmm. block. It, it was a really ugly defensive stop at the end of the game, and unfortunately, Lamar got called for the foul so again i was very happy that the guy missed both and we had the chance to win in overtime because uh you hate to see a person put that kind of effort out and then unfortunately be somewhat responsible for the loss but you have to point out that a player that you know only had 17 minutes in the game and really Mm -hmm. only had eight points um and eight rebounds that's still his contribution cannot be measured and you'd have to watch the game to really know uh the stat line doesn't do it justice Now, as far as what sticks out to me other than Lamar's effort and even a headline that I saw for Lamar, which was uh, Lamar Stevens stays ready, continues to personify teams' core values. I thought that was really great. I would say the person who sticks out to me the most from this game, it it would be easy to say Donovan Mitchell because, of course, he had 40 points in 47 minutes. And he was the full reason why (laughs) he had any chance to win it all. (laughs) Pretty good. Um, Yeah, just a little bit. Um, But... I'll, I'll say Evan Mobley because he had 25 points and 17 rebounds. And mm-hmm. we were saying just an episode or two ago that he had to figure it out. You know, if we don't, if he could get 15 to 20 points a game consistently, we would be good enough to make it into the playoffs and beyond. That we wouldn't have as much of a worry about the makeup of this team. If he could figure it out or Allen or both or whatever, you know, they both could average around 15 points. And that's something that I was very pleased to see Mobley had the game that he had. What a what a superstar game, right? And it would have been more apparent if Donovan hadn't gone off. But mm-hmm. the other two things that I'd point out are only that Garland had a very poor shooting night. Mm-hmm. And Allen had four points. Yeah. So if those two players had kind of produced what I think they are capable of or more consistently capable of, then it wouldn't have ever even flirted with OT. We would have mm-hmm. just handedly beat them by maybe 10, 15 points. So we still are trying to figure that out. Like It seems like three guys can get theirs most nights, but then two more are struggling. And yes, yeah. that's a luxury to have five guys on your team that can and go off on a night, but that's what this team is capable of doing. And when JB wants to play smaller lineups, then you need these guys to be able to... To produce like that and that uh one final comment to make before i pass it back to you um was just that i was pleased that he jb used a little bit larger of a lineup i thought that was a pleasant surprise as well since that's been a, a nitpick of ours what were your thoughts about the minutes and and how he used everyone
0: yeah, I think that he just understands now that he has to pull the ripcord on some of these players. Wade was not looking great, wow. so he put Jetty in a little bit more. Uh, Rubio was shaky as well, so he, you know, didn't rely on him as much. And I think that JB mm. has to understand he can't wait till the end of the game. He has to make the change at halftime versus. Uh, he was kind of stalling. You saw that last year as well in, in the play-in tournament. Is he basically just went with? Uh, he changed the game plan a little bit, but he just waited too long. And so now I think he is comfortable enough with this whole roster that he has to have the ability to just change players in midstream this makes me think a little bit of everything that went down with kevin love i'm kind of curious if the rest of these players they aren't as um apprehensive about getting pulled they understand we know that jetty has been pulled whenever i mean jetty's been pulled even when he's not on the basketball floor by jb rightly or wrongly but they still go out and perform. And I think that Love, because he is a future Hall of Famer, because he was this quote-unquote franchise player of the only championship uh, direct through line uh, to this not only team, but city, that I think there was some sensitivity around that. So we might be seeing JB play around or mess with the game plan even more now because I think he's trying to prepare all of these guys on the bench except for Lopez probably that you could get 10 15 minutes if the guy in front of you isn't doing what they need to do and Mm -hmm. so that was refreshing because as we mentioned Lamar did play against Detroit but a lot of players played against Detroit because the it was a a whooping so Mm -hmm. I'm happy to see that JB isn't isn't afraid to push the button and say all right eject this guy and move on in because these guys really need to understand the moment and that's really as i mentioned what i thought was the most impressive thing about lamar is lamar plays like he's been there before when he hasn't and that's really kind of surprising for a bench player and i'm seeing that you know dean wade and and Jetty are getting a little lost in how they're supposed to fit, and I hope that they find their way. Uh, You know, I want them to all be successful, but if you can rely on a guy like Lamar, then that is a luxury because you have a guy who is prepared. The Cavs go on the road starting tomorrow, playing two games against Kevin Love's team, the Miami Heat, that's really weird to say, and the Charlotte Hornets. Will the Cavs come away from this road trip with more wins or losses? Well, we're a horrible
1: road team, so it's very possible that we would lose all of these games. I'm not really sure. I'm going to say that we're on a hot streak, that I think that even though we came off of the break a little cold, um, I think that was just a blip. And now judging by the remaining 15 or so games, I think the Cavaliers have a good chance to win 10 at least of those games if they really take things seriously. And I think that starts by playing two teams like the Heat and the Hornets that really have no business beating our team. And I understand every Mm. team in the NBA has a shot because they're all talented individuals and professionals. But um, the Cavaliers are now flirting with being a finals contending team and they're looking for home court advantage as we stated in the first part of this episode so if you're gonna get that you gotta you gotta win these games that's what's gonna help your your cause so i'm gonna say that we're gonna get three out of four even though i'm gonna hope be hopeful that we can get all four i just imagine one night things probably aren't gonna they're not gonna go our way and um It's a little bit odd to me to be be playing back-to-backs, back-to-back on the road. So that's going to be an interesting experience, too. The first games are going to determine how the second games are going to go, I think, in the end. And as far as um, Kevin Love, just to mention him, because we're going to get a chance to at least go to where he resides. But um, it sounds like he will not be playing, which is not a shocker. I think this is (laughs) something that we talked about when we heard rumor that he could be leaving. And that the Cavaliers didn't mind having him sign with a team like Miami. Being a team that could directly contend with us for the playoffs this year. They're not worried about Kevin's ability to improve that team. And that's sad. Uh, you know, It would be great if Kevin could prove them wrong. But the two top headlines for Kevin Love are... Eric Spolstra doesn't expect Kevin Love's injury to be long term... And the other title a day before that was Kevin Love, still cold and white hot. So, um, you know, it's going to be a struggle, I think, for Kevin down there. This is the end of a player's career, most likely. And unfortunately, his body is not cooperating with him. And that's kind of the saddest end. So Mm -hmm. maybe not. Maybe things will turn around and, and maybe this year is just another fluke for him. And next year he'll have a better year. But it's more of the same for Kevin Dad, in Miami. It sounds like so. Um, it'll be a shame that we won't get to to see him out on the court with us, you know, or against us. It'd just be nice to see him play.
0: It'd be a little weird for me to see him play because I think he might play the second game. We don't really know. It seemed Fedor, sure. Chris Fedor, had reported that he'll probably be out for this game on Wednesday. And yeah. I, it is kind of interesting when you see the national media kind of try to break down moves of local teams. When even though I respect a lot of the folks in the national media, they still have not watched as many games or paid attention to as many games, uh, respectively with these local teams. And a lot of folks were just kind of surprised that the Cavs would let you know love leave in a buyout situation. And a lot of that is the fact that of, I would say, we've recorded 67 podcasts. I would say a good quarter of them, we have addressed the injury issues of Kevin Love. (laughs) And that is because man gets injured a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is known to be injured. And especially in this second large-scale contract with the Cavs. He was basically injured for uh, like half of it. We have yeah. episode
1: titles uh, about yes. <laughs> his injuries and about him coming back from injuries. So yeah, specific yes. titles. So,
0: yeah. And again, we—I don't think we've ever wished him ill will. That's just how his career has kind of broken down. I'm hopeful that he does have a little bit of more more juice in his career as well, coming into. Maybe he'll get another solid contract and contribute to another team and, and kind of leave more on his own terms, which would be awesome to see. To move on to your other point where you were saying that you're thinking that the Cavs might win three games, I would love that. I think that from everything that we've talked about in this episode, what you laid out at the beginning with the mentality of this team and where they need to move into this echelon of being taken seriously as an Eastern Conference contender, they need to come out of this road trip with at least three wins. Anything less than that is kind of sad because Charlotte is not good. So they should beat Charlotte handily. Charlotte is not a good basketball team right now. And I don't even know if their coach and organization, everything is just not good there. And with Miami, Miami's always coached well, but they have people dropping like flies. They're inconsistent because of that. And we should be able to rise to the occasion. And if they want to be taken seriously, if this young squad wants to be taken seriously, they have to beat teams in their home court, on the road, close to playoff time. They have to hit all these checks to really show the rest of the league that they're prepared Mm. and you know hopefully quench the the fever pitch from the Cavs fans that this team is really ready
1: yeah
0: and you know i have a challenge for the cavaliers on the road okay
1: come out and end the game by the halftime Mm -hmm. yeah like come out and have solid 30 35 point quarters or more so that by the time you go into halftime, you're 70 points, you know, to their 40 points, and you can rest your starters basically for the second half. You know, I, I want to see them handedly win these games, but then the main guys can take a break. That would be wonderful because when you play teams that have less, then you should be able to beat them with your backup uh, team. You should be able to beat them with the second string. You know, not for the full game, but let the first string come out in the first half and handle their business. And the second half, take a rest.
0: I want to see Sam Merrill get actual minutes on this road trip because our starters have overperformed and wiped the floor
1: so well. Yep. Merrill, Lopez, and Neto. I want to see all these guys get more minutes than they've seen (laughs) the entire season. Yeah. And Danny Green, too. Let's see him get in there, too. The final seconds.
0: So, Adam, in looking at the bench, let's say hypothetically Karis LeVert and Lamar Stevens are locks. Who are the other two or three guys you would include in this rotation?
1: Well, it has been the biggest question mark for me the entire year. Who can we trust on the bench to fill the need? And I think it's going to be Ricky Rubio Obviously, because of his veteran leadership, he's a guy that I don't know if we can trust that he's going to do much points wise out there, but I don't know if we really need that. I think that um, 10 to 15 minutes a night where he can just get out there and spell Garland or kind of help right the ship when maybe they're um, offensively struggling or, or they're, they need kind of a change of pace to, to get the game kind of back in hand. I think um, this team doesn't have a lot of that. They don't have a lot of veteran leadership to look to. And especially they can get out onto the court. So with Rubio out there providing that, I think that would be a big help. And then the other person would be, I'm going to say Dean Wade. I think Dean, the the team has been hopeful that he would step up and fill more of a role. And I think that some of it has been due to injury. As usual, it's a common theme for the Cavs. But also, you just need his presence, his size. Uh, You need somebody to be able to come in and fill out uh, the roster on the side of of Allen and and Mobley. Right now, with the way they're not really using Lopez, there's not a ton of options on this team for the power forward center option. So, especially with Love being sent away. And Danny Green is not going to fill that role for you. So Dean Wade is gonna have to step up and play a larger role for this team moving forward. And he may even need to start some nights depending on rotation issues or injury issues. So I will say Dean Wade and Ricky Rubio need to be added to that list. Pace is a term that describes how many possessions a team has in a given game. A team's pace is an estimate of how many offensive and defensive possessions they have per 48 minutes. Josh Cornelison of King James Gospel reports that the Cavs are the league's second best defense with the top net rating in the entire NBA, yet they're last place for pacing. Is that bad?
0: I don't think this is bad at all. I think that when the Cavs get into the playoffs, the game slows down anyway, so they will be used to that type of style of play and be used to dictating the play that is necessary in the playoffs to be successful and I think that they have seen some of this bite them when they're dealing with some teams that have tried to push the pace and try to get out on the break and JB might need to make adjustments in those situations but I think for such a young team JB clearly has wanted to make sure that the offense gets set and gets executed one thing we really haven't noted a lot this year but Darius's turnovers are a lot less I mean he is going whole stretches of games without turning the ball over which was pretty common play not commonplace last year and was kind of a thing that I was concerned about coming into this season and he's improved that type of play and that I I think that They're correlated, they deal with each other, and it it makes sure that Darius can see what the defense is doing, get the right play in, and hopefully execute. And now I'm just hopeful that their shooting numbers can go up some, maybe Danny Green and Merrill can help out with that a little bit, and then their offense would be even more combustible when they are being that slow. I think because Darius can get in and out of the the offense because it's dictated better, it, because it is slower for him, that's helpful for him. And now we just need some of these players to hit their shots. Dean Wade needs to improve his shooting. Hopefully Danny Green can get out there. Maybe even Sam Merrill. And if we can get some more outside shooting, that would be even better for the squad. <sighs>
1: Thank you for listening to the Cavaliers Basketball Club Podcast. Let's go Cavs!